I think of my father. My father was a logger all his life. And uh, that's what I was one of the jobs I did in my life. I was a logger. And uh, my father had eight kids. My grandmother had eight kids, too. She seemed to run into one side of the family. But out of the eight kids, there were five boys. An interesting thing, my father used to teach Sunday school, adult Sunday school class. And uh, he'd get flack from the pastor of that church once in a while because his class was bigger than the pastor's class. And, uh, but the interesting thing of my father, he never ever pushed his sons to be in the ministry. But out of the five brothers, three are pastors. And they have been for the last, well, I'm the oldest, so 50 years. And uh, he, he never said anything, but he raised us in, from the time I was born. I've been in church since I was held by my mother in her arms. And uh, that's been a long time. Yeah, some of that was good and some was bad. But your father's a part of that. Um, a lot of times if your father's not following through with Christ, then the kids don't follow through well. And they don't have to be badger, they just have to be part of that. And uh, so, as fathers, that's one of your responsibilities if you still have kids left, is to make the Lord the most important thing in their lives. So we're going to take a look at Jehoshaphat. Um, it's not a name I would want, but hey, we live in a different world. But Jehoshaphat was a man that God wants us to be like. He was unique in the Old Testament uh, as a man. He was unique in his walk with God. In Second Chronicles 16.9, I'll just read this. It's not in chapter 17. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking through the planet and he's looking for men whose hearts are his more than anything else. Not just half his, part his, but God is important to them. So what does a fully committed man look like? Jehoshaphat will show us. If you want to know what commitment looks like, if you want to know what uh, a man whose heart is towards God, you look at this man. His actions proved, and our actions prove what we're like. What's most important to us? Um, Think about it for a minute. Is God the most important thing in our life? Is money the most important thing in our life? I talked to a pastor friend of mine in uh, Florida the other day. <clears throat> and uh, he's been in Africa, been in Kenya for a couple months. And uh, they were doing evangelistic services. Uh, they, they had preached the gospel to something like 109,000 kids in the three months' time. Africa is 50% children under 15 years of age. That's 500 million kids. Uh, We can't even come close to that because nobody's having kids anymore. But in Africa, they have kids. So he was talking to the pastor. They don't seem to be doing anything for the kids. He says, why aren't you doing things for the kids? And the pastors told him, well, they don't tithe. (laughs) That is not a good answer. 
The kids were um, interested. The kids, most people get saved as a kid. And uh, fathers have a big part of that. But when the pastors don't think kids are important, the fathers don't think kids are important. But God thinks kids are important. And so it's something we need to think about because what a father thinks and how he lives has far-reaching effects on society and especially the church. So if you would take a look at... Second Chronicles, and read it through chapter 17 through 20. Uh, you'll get an idea of what God wants you to look at, look like. First of all, this man had a heart for God, and his actions prove it. Just like your actions prove what's most important to you. If you have a, uh, a um, difference between what somebody wants you to do and what you want to do, if it's the most important thing, then you'll do your thing over any, anything else, anybody else. So sometimes work's the most important thing to a man. He'll give up everything to do more work. Uh, sometimes it's, it's just um, he doesn't like to do anything. So that's, he just tries to get out of everything because he just has no interest. But the heart shows what you like. If you have a heart for God, the way this man did, then you're going to find some differences. And if you don't have it, you can have it. So in Second Chronicles 17.3, we read this. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Okay, that's good. Is God with you? Think about that for a minute. If, if God the most important thing, do you walk around the house one time just praying to God, just, man, I love you. You're such a great God. I can't get over uh, how you treat me. Um, Jehoshaphat walked with God. The Lord was with him because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. Okay, he was no uh, idol worshiper. Now we don't think much of that. I uh, the only idol worshiper I've ever met in years is my neighbor. Uh, he uh, worships, was worshiping Zeus, um, and then uh, all the other ones. But Satan was bothering him, so I talked to him the other day about the things that he thinks he died and went to heaven and met Jesus. Jesus had a red hair, red beard, black eyes, though. That was the interesting part. And uh, so he went up to heaven and met Jesus and came back. And the devil's always on his case. Um, but he doesn't worship God. He knows God. He thinks about God. He worships all kinds of stuff, but not God. So he's not committed to God. And because he's not, it shows in how he lives. It shows in his actions. So we talked the other day, and a couple of weeks back, and he came and told me the other day, he says, you know, when you talk to me about Satan, he's really, I'm deceived. I'm deceived about everything. All the things I talked to you about that I believed I've been deceived about that. So God's starting to open his eyes to showing him what's true. And when that happens, you're going to see a difference in this person. You're going to see a change. This man here, Jehoshaphat, he had a heart for God. He didn't seek any other way to worship. He didn't follow anybody, any other God. He followed only God. And 
In verse 4 it says, But he sought the God of his father, and he walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel, the tribe that uh, split off from Judah. So, how do we know he had a heart for God? He did what God wanted. That's simple. How do you know you have a heart for your wife? You'll do anything for her. Cost is not an object. Time is not an object. Whether you feel like it or not, since she's that important, you do anything. That's what a man should be doing. His wife should be, she should be so overjoyed with being taken care of, she bothers her sometimes. <laughs> I can take care of myself. Uh, I'm not doing it. I can do this. I can do that. I can help you. That's the way he was. He followed the commandments of God. The second, th- another thing is in verse 5. Because he did that, therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. And he had riches and honor in abundance. He had everything he could want. Why? Because God blessed him because he trusted God. He didn't just trust God. He made God the most important person in his life. God needs to be the important person in our, in our life as a man because when we die, where are we going? Heaven. Who's in heaven? God. There's no day or night. So we're going to have to see him all the time. So are you going to be happy because you're there with him? Or is it going to be kind of annoying? Huh? You again, God? Is <laughs> there something else? Someplace I can go, Mars, Venus, somewhere you know, is there another planet somewhere else? We should love God as men so much that everybody around us knows we love God. And it should be first at home. In verse 6 it goes on and says, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. So he removed the statues that the people had put up for idols. So when you really are into somebody. You, you, it makes you happy. You delight. He delighted in doing whatever God wanted. That really tells you whether you're committed to you or to God as a man. And uh, so that was one of the first things. He had a heart for God and his actions showed it. So that's what every man here, somebody should be able to say, you know, that guy really loves God. That's weird. I don't. I mean, I'm a Christian. Um, that that man really is um, goes to church, and I, I would never go to church, but he goes to church and he listens to what God said, and he he does what he hears. I, I can trust this guy. So people should be able to see that because if it's true, it's it's like kids. I have a friend of mine I like a, a lot. But he's not a good father. He's waiting for his kids to turn 18 so he can kick them out of the house. And that's a little excessive. (laughs) His kids aren't that bad, but... He doesn't... uh, He's not happy with kids. He's, He's not interested in his kids. And that shows in their actions towards God. How he treats them they can pass that on to how God looks. So, this man here wasn't that way. His heart was for God, and so his heart was for his family. The other thing we find, that 
He wanted others to know God. Now we know this is true. If You know if you ever have um, something really good happen to you, what do you do about it? You tell somebody. You say it to somebody. A bunch of guys get together, they're all talking, and you always bring up the thing that was real cool that happened in your life. You'll bring that up, and everybody just talks about that kind of stuff. Well, this man followed God so much. He wanted everybody to have what he had. You know, I was thinking the other day about kids raised without fathers in the ghettos, and the percentage that are going to prison is extremely high. And uh, what did they need? They needed a father. And they needed a father that was a good father, that would take care of them and care for them. Uh, somebody who was interested in others, his kids, his wife, his community, his God. And I was thinking about that. You know, people are worried about this. Uh, the world's coming to an end. Uh, the oceans are getting warmer. The sky's dropping. Chestnuts are falling from the trees. All kinds of bad things are happening. Well, if you're a Christian, you know one thing. The world cannot be destroyed for at least another thousand years if Jesus comes today. Because he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years. It's still going to be here. A thousand years from now, it's still going to be here. And I don't know how long it's going to be before Jesus comes. We believe things and we think of things. So a lot of things in the world that are happening don't shake us because we know where the future is of what's going to go on. And I was thinking, what's it like to be raised in a place where there's no fathers, your mother's on, pa, on uh, welfare, or if she's not, she's working, you don't see her either. And I could understand then how those people, how negative news just destroys them. Why is that? Because that's all they get, that's all they have. As a Christian, what do we have? We know God will take care of us. We know nothing can happen on this planet or in this world unless God says it can happen. It's his world. He's going to keep it the way he wants it. So for us, life is different. So it's a little harder to, to wonder, well, why are these guys so messed up? So he wanted others to have what he, he had. In verse 7 of chapter 17, in the third year of his reign, he sent the leaders to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent the Levites, the religious part. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. When God is most important and you look at your life and realize the blessings you have had, the good things you have had, come from that. When uh, I retired back in late 60, um, whatever, 2000-something, what, I retired here somewhere, <laughs> from back from here, and uh, since I live in a parsonage, and, uh, we didn't have any money to get a place. And, uh, and people have always asked me anyway, how come you just pick up and move? We picked up and moved from Oregon to Maine. We picked up and moved from Oregon to New Brunswick, Canada. We picked up and moved from there back to California. We picked up and moved to Oregon. We picked up. You just do it. Well, how do you do it? You ever seen my pay? You'll wonder how I do it. We left this place here 
with no, we didn't leave it, but when I retired, we had no money to buy a house. I've lived on what we get here. And, uh, and I had no second job. I just, we lived on what we had. But before we left here, we were given $12,000, of which we moved to Ukiah and uh, went to the, I knew I couldn't buy a house for 12, so went to a trailer park, saw a house for sale. They wanted 20 grand. I offered 12. They took it. Now, for the unsaved people, that would just blow them away. They can't, they can't even deal with life as it is. But for Christians, for us, our Father does some amazing things. We don't have to worry or fret or get all bent out of shape. God just takes care of business. I got more to buy a house than I was making in a year. Just because God can do things. Other people need our God. They worry so much about things that they don't have to because God can do amazing miracles. So he wanted others to know his God because that's what his God was like. Now, a man should want others to know the God that he has because their lives are messed up. They, um, mentally, they have a lot of issues because they don't have anybody to really depend on. The other thing that Jehoshaphat did, he always sought advice from God. And for Second Chronicles 18, um, King Ahab was going to go to war. He's an Israeli king. To Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, Yeah. I am as you are. My people is your people. We will be with you at the war. No problem. We'll go to war with you. So, Jehoshaphat said in verse 4 to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Let's look to God before I go on with you and we go to war. He'd already agreed to go to war with him. But he wanted to make sure God wanted that. Um, that's what a man who has God first does. Should I do this, Lord? Should I go here? Should I attempt this? He seeks God's will. Now, some people uh, don't think God can direct you to, in this day and age. God can direct you many different ways. Uh, just like Jehoshaphat, he asked for what to do. He didn't really listen because God told them, you're going to lose the war and Ahab's going to be killed. Okay, so, But he still went to war with him. But at least he asked for God's advice. A lot of times you might ask for God's advice and you're going through the Bible and you see something that gives you what you think is a direction and then you go the other way. That's never a good idea. If you believe God is directing you some way, just go that way. you got nothing to lose. If you're wrong, you can say, well, I guess I didn't see that right. But you won't be harmed by it. If God wants you to do something, you say no. And you go against that, you will be harmed. There are, there are different ways that will happen. But Jehoshaphat always thought, okay, God, should we do this? God, should we do that? That's something you need to start in life and trust what God says through his word to you. Because he will speak to you. 
He will take care of that. So Jehoshaphat, he always sought the Lord's advice. So men, we don't know everything. We can't plan all our futures. We do not know what decisions we make are going to end up where, but God always does. So seek what he wants and let him guide you. Now this is an interesting thing. For all that good stuff that you've just seen that Jehoshaphat was like, he wasn't perfect. Matter of fact, twice in these chapters he did something that made God really upset. Here's one of them. Now you would always think that if a guy's asking God's advice all the time and if a guy loves God and everything he does is what God wants, that he would never do anything wrong. Well, one thing I like about Jehoshaphat is he shows us just because we do things right for a certain length of time doesn't mean we'll never do anything wrong. Jehoshaphat, he was not perfect. Well, what kind of, how imperfect could he be? Well, listen to this. Then Jehoshaphat, in chapter 19, verse 1, the king of Judah returned safely to the house after, in Jerusalem after the war. Then Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king Jehoshaphat. Now, he just got through fighting with Ahab to destroy other people. And, and uh, so he came back. And the prophet comes to him and says, Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He was talking about Ahab. You went with this guy. You shouldn't have gone with this guy. Did you go with this guy because you hate me? Did you go with this guy because um, you just like being around wicked people? He says, look, therefore, because of that, the wrath of God, the word there could be anger, the anger of God, he is angry with you. Here's a guy, he asked God what to do. God told him how it was going to turn out and he didn't go back home. He went with the guy anyway. And it made God angry because he did something God didn't want him to do. But here's the interesting part. So here's the guy that's been following God. He loves God. God's first in his life. He's getting everybody to follow God and he makes a left turn. But in verse 3 it says this, after it said God was angry with you. Nevertheless, Good things are found in you. And that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. He wasn't a perfect man, but he turned and always did what God wanted. He was still seeking God. He didn't walk away from God. He didn't turn against God. He made a mistake, and the prophet told him the mistake. And the next thing we read is he prepared his heart to seek God again. He, didn't, he never lets God go. He never let anything go that's most important to you. Um, my wife and I have been married 54 years, I think. Maybe 58, somewhere in there. 58 in November. I uh, 55, yeah, in November. And uh, why is that? You ever wondered? Why do people stay married? Depends on your wife more than anything else. <laughs> there are more people stay married because the wives make that happen than men. Uh, 
So my wife has been married to me that long time. She knows I'm not perfect, um, though she treats me like I am, but she still knows better. Um, <clears throat> why do we stay married that long? Because she loves the Lord and she does what God wants. And uh, she can live with someone who makes mistakes now and again. That's not a problem. She can deal with that because she has God to deal with that for her. And that's what this guy was doing. He wasn't perfect. But God was with him. So he never gave up serving God. In Second Chronicles verse 4, So Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people. He went out again. He'd, he'd been there before. and he, God got angry with him. But he was seeking God. And so he went out among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim. And brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. So he came back to the Lord. And he brought everybody else around him back to the Lord. So... He didn't give up on serving God just because he did something wrong. Just because God was mad at him, he didn't get mad at God and say, Fine, God, if that's what you're going to be, I don't need you. That's not what he did. So, as we looked at all the good things in this man, I want you to realize he also did bad things, but the bad things never caused him to walk away in guilt and give up. He just sought God again. And kept right on going. That's how God wants all men to be. If men are that way, their children can see that. And it'll help them to turn back at times. Same with their wives. It would help them. Well, my husband really screwed up. And I look at him now. Okay. I can, I can do that too. So... He never gave up serving God. No matter what he had done. It never caused him... To give up on God. Another thing. He always handled his problems. And he had a serious problem here. Uh, in Second Chronicles 20. Verse 2. Now there was a big army coming. So then some came. And told Jehoshaphat. Saying a great multitude is coming against you. From beyond the sea. From Syria. And they are in Harazan Tamar. Which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Okay, here's a guy, he's afraid. What does he do when he's afraid? He seeks God. Now, what do we usually do when we're afraid? We try to find a way out or deal with it. His first thing was, okay, God, how do I deal with this? What's going on here? And this is an interesting thing how God did this war. So, he called everybody, proclaimed the fast. Everybody in Judah to get together. They gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So he prayed. And in verses 6 through 13, you can read later this prayer he had. It's a fairly long prayer. Because in verse 12, he made this statement. This is why he prayed. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Two things you want to learn about a problem. You really don't have the power against a big problem. You might think you can handle anything. But as life goes on, you'll find that we cannot handle everything as men. We might think so, but we can't. 
Or if we do handle it, it doesn't mean it's handled well, right, or good. Um, nor do we know what to do. There's a lot of times men don't know what to do. Well, how do I, well, you know, we got this issue. Um, how do you handle it? So he always went to God. And he always prayed to God. So they have a big army that's going to come. And they're going to they're gonna have to fight these people. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. Matter of fact, it was three separate armies coming together. And so God says to him this, in verse 15 of chapter 20. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Josephat, 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 thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Every problem we face, men, is not our problem. It's not our problem to win, to determine how to win. It's God's problem. We need to turn to God. That will cause our families to do the same thing, turn to God. So the Lord said, don't be upset. This whole great bunch of people, the battle's not yours. And so then God told him how to win the battle. And here's what he did. I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can read through chapter 20. He told him this. The army is going to come through this certain area. I want you to go up and stand on a high point and you can look down over where they're going to be. Okay, so, and so Jehoshaphat sets it up where they'd have singers. They're marching, singing in front of the army. So they're worshiping God. They're realizing God's going to take care of it. They're not going to do anything. They didn't quite know that yet. So they get to the top of this big ridge and they look down. And then two of the armies begin fighting one of the other armies. And they killed all the guys in that army. Then those two armies started fighting with each other. And they killed all the men. So when they got up on the hill, the Bible says they looked down. Everybody was dead. They didn't have to do a thing. And the Bible says it took them three days to pick up all the armor, goods, and stuff. So for three days, all they did is pick up the spoils of war. The armies killed themselves. Nobody would have thought that. They were going to battle. They were going to march into battle. They were sending the singers. They were going to get ready and do this. But God took care of the problem. You ever had God take care of a problem like that for you? He just does. You don't know how. You, you just <laughs> you go, oh. <laughs> you didn't have to do a thing. You just had to pray to him and trust him to do something. Now that's what this man did. He handled his problems with prayer and his God was big enough to deal with it. The key to victory, God told him what to do and he did it, which was walk up to this cliff, look over the cliff and see what's happening. There's nothing but dead people down there. Yeah, that's right. Because God took care of the problem. There's nothing that God cannot do. And that's what men need to instill that in our children, our wives, people around us. Now that comes when we put everything to prayer. And don't trust in our own understanding, but on God to do things. He was then a man who encouraged people to trust God. That's what he did again after this. He encouraged the people again. 
in verses 20 and 21 to trust God. And they trusted God in this battle by, verse 21 says, when they had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's how the people handled this war. They sang. They sang them to <laughs> I suppose you could say they sang them to death, but they were singing as they went up. God took care of it because they were that that singing was a what matter of faith. They weren't worried. They weren't frightened. They weren't scared. They're just going. They're singing up, and they get up to the top, and they find there's nothing left to do but take the good stuff, and they did that. That was God's method of answering prayers, different at all time. You can't. One thing you don't want to do as a man is to say, okay, God did this for me once. He'll do this every time. That's not true. God does not answer every prayer the same way. He answers prayers in different ways. So don't always be thinking, well, he did it this way. He'll do it. No. God never has to do everything the same way. He usually doesn't. He has different ways at different times for different reasons to take care of your issues. So just pray and don't determine what he's going to do. Just pray and and trust him to take care of him. He was a man who encouraged people to trust God. And God's method of answering prayer, I'll take care of it. And that's what he meant. They just kill each other. God's testimony of this man, Jehoshaphat, was he walked in the way of his father Asa, which was following God, and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Some translations put that Instead of doing what was right, it says, they, but he did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Um, you ever think about that, that you can, you can do things as a man that please God? It's not just right, but it's pleasing God. And if God's the most important thing to us, that's what you want. You want to please your wives, right? Otherwise, you might have to deal with it later on. <laughs> so you please your wife, you make her happy, you help her. Um, God's testimony of this man, he walked in the ways of his father. Asa was a good king. And he wasn't a perfect one either. He didn't turn aside from following God. He did what was right in the sight of God. Let me give you some final thoughts on this. This man gave the best he could, even if all did not follow his ways. But he laid no blame for what that on him. At the end of all of this, you'd have thought everybody would be following God just like they should in verse 20, 33 of chapter 20. It says, Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, the idols in all the places. As for yet, the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. So in all of that he was doing, and all that they see God do, not everybody followed along. So one of the things we learn in a Christian life is because we're doing the right things and, and people are learning from it, it doesn't mean everybody's going to learn. Example, Jesus was God, right? When he taught, nobody could teach better than him. Did everybody get saved that heard Jesus? No, they crucified him. They tried to throw him off a cliff once. Uh, they were always fighting against him. So... As a father, you, can, you do the best you can, like this man did. But it doesn't mean 
because you're doing the best you can, everything will turn out the way you really want it. All of your kids won't be saints. Uh, your wife and you still might have issues. But the majority of your life will be better. So you have to realize that even Jehoshaphat, everybody else, they didn't all follow the Lord. A lot of them did, more of them did, but not all of them. If we follow the Lord, men, our families and actions will please the Lord. And that's what we want to do. We want, it, we want God to be able to say to the angels, the Bible says the angels look at us. They watch what we do, think about, to learn from God. And uh, they're looking at us and wondering, why, why did they do that? Is that what God wants? I don't think so. They're learning from us. Um, words alone will not please our Lord. Uh, this man didn't just say things, he did things. We can sing great songs. We can say great stuff. It's like you can tell your wife, I love you. I really love you. And what's she looking for? Proof. <laughs> Sorry, guys. She's not taking the words at face value. Um, she's looking for proof. Your kids ask, hey, you're the best kid in the world. What are they looking for? Proof. Proof in the words. Proof in the actions. Um, Jehoshaphat was a man who put his heart to God and that changed everything because he followed him. So words alone will not please the Lord or make our families what God wants them to be. He not only followed the Lord, he encouraged everybody to follow the Lord and his actions showed he was following the Lord. So that's what we need to think about. He walked with God. He taught them pleasing the Lord by living right, doing what God said in His Word. First thing when you see God, what do you want Him to hear? You want to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant? Or maybe He'll say, you know, I was really happy with you done. Every time you had a problem, you came to me. Every time you thought you saw, heard from me, you did what I said. Hey, that's good. Hey, I love the way you showed love to your kids. I love the way you showed love to your wife. I love the way you showed love to your enemies and, and did things for people you didn't even like. So every husband and father is a key to blessing upon his family and nation. Do the best you can, men. That doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. It wasn't with Jesus. Nobody did anything best like he did. He, did. he never sinned. Do the best you can. Be patient and realistic. Maybe in time people will follow your lead. But God doesn't lay that at your feet. It is not your responsibility to make people accept truth. It is not your responsibility to make people love God. It is only your responsibility to follow God. And then everybody else is responsible for how they react to that. But it does help people to turn to God if they know you love them and you love God. And if you're kind and gentle. Um, I heard somebody say one time, you never yell at your kids. And they said, well, how do you, how, how did the kid know uh, he's wrong? Same way you do. When you do something wrong, guilt pops up. You don't even have to be yelled at. You know you're wrong. Your kid knows he's wrong. He doesn't need somebody to beat on him because he's wrong. 
The Bible talks about a gentle and quiet spirit, which does a lot more than a harsh word. So, even Jesus, who taught perfectly, didn't win all to follow him. Everything won't be perfect in your life because you're like Jehoshaphat. Here, he had to go through battles, wars, and problems. And, uh, but he had this. He always did the right thing. And I tell you what, Jehoshaphat had a great life. It's one of the few in the Bible that we read two issues. He did something wrong and it never affected him. He just did it wrong and sought the Lord. He did it wrong and sought the Lord. So if you're doing something wrong, seek the Lord. Don't give up. Don't back off. Don't say you're worthless. Because it doesn't matter. Everything God will always bring you to Him. He wants that. He's a father. He's a father who loves his children. He's a father that wants you to walk right and holy. And He'll make that happen. So, I want you just to think about, about this man, Jehoshaphat. You should be able to remember his name. And that was three chapters of his life. Go through it this week. Read it again for yourselves. Think about it. Because men, you don't realize how much of a key you are. Not only to your wife, to your children, to the nation. When men rise up and do the right things, in the right way, things change. We could change this nation. Men can do that. It's the way God set it up. So, remember Jehoshaphat, gentlemen. Give God your heart. Nothing else matters but that. Father, we thank you for these men. We just pray, Lord, that they would look at this man, Jehoshaphat, and follow along with him. That they would seek you with all their heart. They would love you with all their heart. And Father, when you point them some direction, that they are seeking what to do and how to do it, that you would show them, and that, Father, that they would follow. We ask, Father, that when they say they love their wives, their heart would love their wives. It would come from their heart. When they look at their children and have to discipline them from in their heart, Lord, would they discipline from their heart? Yes, they may still have to spank them in one way or another. But that can be done with anger or it can be done with tears. We just pray to Heavenly Father that they would show to their children that they love them. And we ask to Heavenly Father that they would realize that before you they can accomplish great things for you. Maybe not great things everybody will know, but they will stand before you and you will say to them, I was pleased with your love for me. I was pleased with how you served me. I was pleased with what you've done. So well done, thou good and faithful servant. For your eyes look to and fro throughout all the earth, looking for a man who wants you more than anything else and will live for you above all things. May these men be that man. And if they will be, Father, their life will be the great life, the good life. Maybe poor, 
They may be wealthy, neither one will matter. They may have everything going for them, they may have nothing going for them, it still will not matter. They may be sick, they may be healthy, it still will not matter because they're doing what you want, what is right, they love you, you're the most important person in their life. Make it so. We just thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.